Hello, and welcome to another installment of Ottoman History Podcast. I'm Chris Grayton. And I'm Nir Shafir. Today, our topic of discussion is history and memory of Ottoman Armenians and the relationship of the life of Ottoman Armenians to the broader study of the Ottoman Empire. And our guest today is a researcher who's focused much of his research on that very question, uh, Vahit Ashtian. He holds a PhD from E-H-E-S-S in Paris. You guys can look up that acronym for the full name. Uh, and he's uh, currently project director of Hushamadian, which is a website we're going to talk about, a very exciting website based in Berlin. Uh, Dr. Tashjan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you're a guest that I've wanted to bring on the podcast for a while because your site, which is, I guess, entering its fifth year of operation, more or less, uh, has really been influential uh, in in the in the virtual space and in, in digital spaces, uh, not just among, obviously, Armenians around the world who are interested in learning more about the history of Ottoman Armenians, but also in Turkey, where your website, which features images and various uh, multimedia material related to the life of Ottoman Armenians has, in fact, served as a as raw material for rediscovering um, local life in Ottoman Anatolia and elsewhere in the Ottoman Empire. So before we talk to you about your website, some of the goals, how your, your, your sort of unique approach to the question of reconstructing Ottoman Armenian life, I'd like to hear your thoughts on what uh, the study of Ottoman Armenian life means for the broader study of the Ottoman uh, Empire. The Armenians were also a component of the that vast Ottoman Empire. Certainly, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean the study of one of the component is also part of the to study uh, or to to have a broader knowledge of of how this uh, uh, Ottoman Empire was functioning and uh, how the different populations were living there, how the relations of the different populations or uh, what was the social en environment of uh, uh, in different uh, regions, uh, what was the local histories. So studying uh, the case of the Ottoman uh, Armenians uh, can broaden our knowledge uh, about generally about the Ottoman Empire. And not only of the Armenians. I mean, if uh, you study also the the history of uh, uh, the local histories of uh, Greek Orthodox, uh, the Assyrians, the the Arabs. So this is part of of studying the Ottoman Empire. Right. I mean, that may seem intuitive, but a lot of the research on Ottoman Armenians, because it has been through the lens of the genocide and and its impact, its memory, and all of the sort of questions surrounding nationalism and all that comes with that time period. Uh, because of that fact, sometimes. Uh, the fact that uh, Ottoman Armenians are part of the social fabric and their lives in many ways are similar to all the other people who live in uh, those regions and that their lives can tell us about the lives of the other people who live in those reason regions, sometimes that fact is forgotten, although it may seem obvious, right? Yes, of course. Uh, generally speaking, the the Armenian studies was focused for many years on, uh, on, on, on the genocide or uh, events that happened uh, before the genocide, but also, generally speaking, it was uh, on massacres and uh, on the Fedai movements. Uh, but the thing which was missing was the, the study of the everyday life, of the social environment of uh, the Ottoman Armenians. So that was the the main uh, topic that was missing for, for many, many years, I mean, in, in Armenian studies and the, in Ottoman studies. 
And, and that topic is important not just because it's relevant to the study of the Ottoman Empire or to historians today, but because, in fact, the generation that survived the genocide sought to um, sort of record uh, aspects of their everyday life and, and their life in the geographies of the Ottoman Empire after the fact in, in these diasporic contexts, um, which I guess leads us to maybe a discussion of your website, the name Hushamadian, uh, is a, is an allusion to a, a genre of memory literature mm-hmm. for local communities, villages, and towns, mostly throughout Anatolia, uh, that was composed by that generation of survivors mm-hmm. and serves as a, as a rich uh, historical source today. So could you tell us a little bit about this special genre and some of the unique insights yes. it lends into historical and detail? This can open the discussion uh, or the... Uh, the discussion about the sources of uh, the the history of the Ottoman Armenians. So the main sources or the main primary sources were this genre of books that uh, uh, you just uh, speak about, uh, which was uh, published in the uh, in the 1920s uh, onwards. Uh, uh, and the the publishers or the authors of these books were the this generation of Armenian survivors, the first generation of Armenian survivors. So uh, for them, it was really essential to produce such such books because they were they, they were convinced that they were the last persons uh, who can remember uh, their own past uh, in the village or in the in the town, in the cities, in in their homeland, in their native homeland. They were the last persons who can really authentically uh, reconstruct that past in uh, all its details. Uh, and in the same time, they were really attached to that homeland, uh, and they wanted to uh, to leave a, a kind of heritage to the future generations. Uh, perhaps uh, in their mind, uh, it was uh, the Armenian future generations, but uh, when you see the heritage that they left, uh, now you, you can be sure that it was also for the heritage of the whole humanity. And uh, so they started to publish, to, 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 to write, and uh, they, they were not professional writers or they, they were not professional historians, but they, they have that will to produce something, to, to leave something for the future generations. And they started to write, to write. Uh, uh, many persons uh, didn't have the ability uh, to publish them, so it's, uh, many of them uh, uh, were still in family closets or it, it disappeared for different reasons or destroyed uh, because of, of, of the war in different countries uh, in the diaspora. Uh, and, uh, but still, you see when, when you see the number of the publications, it's sometimes uh, you, you can, you can if, if you want to give uh, some numbers, it's, it's about 400 books uh, around. Uh, and this is huge, and, uh, and based on this legacy, uh, based on these uh, published books, you can really uh, realize, achieve some uh, tremendous things. Uh, and, uh, and one of this project, or this Hushamadian project, also our website project, is also based on this, on this kind of books, on this genre of books. I have two questions. Uh, first, you know, this process of writing, uh, I think, is really amazing. Did was it kind of a collective process, or did it just happen organically? People just started naturally writing their memories, or did people like did, would one Armenian know that 
someone was writing a memoir and it's like and be like, wow, that's amazing. I also want to write this mm. this story. Mm. Were people in contact with each other about this? Uh, there is two categories of uh, how they they published these books. The one was very individual initiatives. Uh, a person, uh, I don't know, uh, in let's say in Cairo, uh, decided to write about his town in Palu, for example, and uh, he published it. He 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 find that the the founding or the uh, or perhaps uh, his family uh, have the ability, financial ability, to publish it, and he published. Uh, but the other uh, the other uh, the other way to publish them is through. this kind of as- associations which were called uh, compatriot associations or in turkish is hemsheri in armenian is hayranaktsagam uh, uh, so this kind of uh, uh, associations were were uh, have been really the the motor behind uh, the motor uh, or uh, be- behind this kind of publications uh, normally uh, this kind of os- associations were founded for mutual aids to to build churches or to build schools but also to to publish books so they gave the uh, the initiative to one of the one of one of compatriot and uh, he started to collect the materials from all, all around the world i mean i agree that i've just read one or two of these and one was uh, in turkish and it was a um, it was actually a recollection of life in tokat not even before the genocide but after in the 30s and 40s by this um, armenian who Because, uh, this family that came back to Tokat and lived there until he uh, essentially moved to Istanbul in the 1950s and eventually, I think, to Toronto. But it was amazing. Like when we, uh, me and my partner, we went to Tokat, mm-hmm. we saw the city. You go there today, you can't tell that the, there was ever an Armenian past, but, you know, the city had this huge population of Armenians. And in this book, you know, is a map drawn from memory. You can look at the stores and like mm. all this stuff and you see that, you know, a third of, maybe half of the stores half of the artisans all these people even the 1930s and 40s were armenian and that they had all these stories to tell mm. and all this and this daily texture of life uh they could really kind of just start reimagining what tokat was yes. but you go there today exactly. and you can't see any of that yes the 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 content of this books it's uh, it's very detailed there there is so 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 many things uh, inside and one of another funny aspect of these publications that sometimes there there was a, a kind of rivalry uh, between authors or between uh, compatriotic unions for example if uh, a compatriots association of marash had published his own book on marash then their rivals uh, let's say their rivals uh, the armenians from aintab they, they they were in bad position so that they wanted also to have their yeah. their own book or if uh, th- there was also political rivalries yeah. uh, if a book was published uh, by an author who's affiliated to a to the tashnak party and uh, inside the book he he gave some very positive uh, information about tashnak leaders so the a couple of years later the hunchaks or the ramgavars uh, another armenian political parties uh, or affiliated to them some authors who affiliated to them uh, wanted to uh, to publish another book on on, on the same town or the s- same city or the same village so in this way uh, there was a profusion of publications and profusion of uh, information about that uh, same village or the same town and that's a really important point because one might expect that there would be certain tropes that appear in all of these different village histories sort of the sh- the greater shared armenian historical memory but in fact these these books do often uh voice 
different views of the past. They're not they're not monolithic in their view. For example, in towns where there was missionary presence and many of the people were Protestants, for example, those books have a different character as well. I know from my own research on the Adana region, there are for for those who are listening and want to know why they might want to pick up some Armenian village histories for all of the major towns and villages in the Adana region in Cilicia, there is a there's a hushamat there's a there's a memory book of some kind. Yes, uh, most of the uh, important towns and yeah. uh, cities have their own uh, hushamadian genre of books. But let's say that. Uh, the, the the researcher should also have a critical approach sure. uh, uh, vis-a-vis this kind of books because it was published, it was produced by the first generation mm-hmm. of uh, genocide survivors and this is important to emphasize. And uh, their approach was different. Uh, in sometimes uh, they were influenced by this reconstructed Armenian history after ge- the genocide. And uh, uh, this style or this kind of vocabulary you can find also mm-hmm. in, 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 in their texts, in their in yeah. their an- analysis. Uh, but in the same time, the, the information, the details about cultural life, about the other, about the neighbor, about the relations with the state are so, so rich that uh, still, if you have that kind of critical approach, you can, you can use them, you can exploit them, you can, uh, you can, uh, you can produce great things based on, this, uh, on these books. And so now I think we should ask you a little bit about your own Hushamadian because your website, your your book, your your website, which is sort of a, a virtual memory book for the uh, the Ottoman Armenian diaspora, isn't based solely on those sources. Of course, you draw heavily on the memory books, but uh, the website actually takes on the task of collecting. Um, materials and compiling different pieces of information uh, that bring to life uh, the experience of Ottoman Armenians on the internet in a very sort of dynamic and interactive form. Would you tell us a little bit about the development of that project, mm. uh, how it started, maybe how it, how, how it got going and sort of how it took on a life of its own? Yes. Uh, so the idea was... Uh was to create a website based on uh, this genre of books. Uh, so this uh, Hushamadian books uh, w- was supposed to be our main primary sources. And based on, uh, on, on the information uh, uh, that we collected from, from these books, uh, we wanted to, to prepare our own articles and to publish them on the website. So this was the first phase uh, of the project of the website. But after a couple of years, because we are now at the fifth year uh, of our existence, uh, people started to contact us. People from all over the world started to contact us, and they uh, they started to send to 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 us uh, via email or uh, through different uh, uh, ways materials, historical materials from their own uh, family collections. Uh, this is something very surprising for us because we didn't, uh, when we started the project, we haven't any idea that's, that the family nucleus is still uh, the place where you can find uh, very rich uh, historical materials back from the Ottoman Empire. And uh, so uh, the website uh, perhaps 
it was a kind of a stimulus for, for many uh, Armenians all over the world uh, to send us old photos from their own family collections, uh, sometimes uh, unpublished memoirs or uh, exchange of letters between one member of the family who was, uh, let's say, in Maraj and another in Chicago. Uh, so this kind of materials, it's, 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 it's uh, unique uh, uh, had unique values and uh, for us it's uh, like treasures I think that's a really amazing process I mean both you're engaging with uh, these you know with this community with these communities uh, and it's a wonderful kind of reciprocal relationship between writing the history and bringing out more and more and I think one of the most amazing things for me you know hearing about this project is that uh, just how much of this archival material you know we think of archives as state archives as the record of the state, and that there's just all this material out there, um, in this case, you know, still preserved, that can, you know, whether books and families and also sort of other sources. Uh, this is just one question, but, you know, how, how are these sources different? How did these new sources that people were sending, these memoirs or new memoirs or new letters or even you, on your website, you have objects and other things, what kind of how did that change the type of history you're writing mm. as a historian i'm convinced that uh, micro history has a unique place in in historical research and this kind of letters uh, personal letters exchange of letters or personal memoirs were part of this kind of micro history uh, which can shed new light uh, on local histories and uh, this is something new perhaps in, in generally in, in historical research and uh, what we are doing is also uh, kind of uh, micro-historical research or local uh, history. Could you give us an example of that? One thing that comes to mind? Of course. Uh, for example, somebody from Fresno sent to us uh, the memoirs of his grand-grandfather and uh, he was from a village in, in, in Harput, in Harpert, uh, Verin Hoch. And uh, his memoirs, uh, uh, because the person left uh, his, uh, his village in 1888, so he was 24 years old, and, uh, and his memoirs is about life until 1888. So he covered also the, the phase of, uh, uh, of uh, Russian-Turkish war. And it's very important, because one of the cliches in Ottoman studies that the Armenians... Uh, for, for, for centuries, or let's say uh, from, from starting from the 19th century, have been very pro-Russian. But there you can see how uh, that village, uh, from that tiny village, it's a, it's a village it's, uh, where there is a Turkish-Armenian population, but maybe the Armenian population is about 150 families. Uh, there were three volunteers who, who went to the war, uh, and uh, he's giving details because one of them is uh, is a family member, another is a is a, a family neighbor. Uh, so he's giving details how these people went to the uh, to the war to the front, and then then they came back and they they were welcomed as heroes. So it's it's uh, it's it changing the 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 assumptions that uh, are very solidly planted in implanted in 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 different Ottoman studies, or you can also say uh, cliches that other cliches that were. Uh, uh, were implanted in Armenian studies. Uh, 
Welcome back to Ottoman History Podcast. Chris Grayton and Nir Shafir talking with Vahe Tashjian, the project director of the Hushamadian website. Uh, the song you just heard is one of the materials that can be found on the Hushamadian website. Uh, it's a song from Palu collected uh, through this process of gathering the materials and the, the pieces of memory within the Armenian community. Vahe, would you explain a little bit about this song that we just heard? Yeah, uh, the singer is Maron Almantian, uh, and uh, I think she was recorded uh, in Aleppo. Uh, now she, she's living in the United States, in Providence, I think. And it was collected by uh, someone who all his lifetime had had done his kind of uh, of uh, he he was uh, it was for him like a mission to collect uh, all these kind of songs uh, sung by uh, Armenian uh, survivors for, uh, from from the first generation and he's called Bedros Alahedoyan he's also from Beirut and uh, now living in Los Angeles but what is interesting in the case of Maro uh, Maro is not a first generation Armenian uh, she uh, learned this song from his parents who, who were originally from Palu, who were native of Palu. So this is also a kind of memory that is preserved yeah. in the second generation of Armenians. So uh, Bedros Alaudan collected many, many songs of Palu sung by Maron Albantian. And, uh, and it's, for me, it's amazing, amazing. That, that means that uh, even in the second generation of Armenians, you can f- still find treasures like this. And uh, it's very important to collect them. Absolutely. And I think that this is one of the things that your website does really well, of course, using the digital format to capitalize on the texture of uh, the materials that comprise uh, Ottoman-Armenian memory that include not just texts, but sounds, visual materials, images, uh, videos, all this kind of stuff is made available on your website. Would you talk a little bit about some of the sensory experience that people can ex- mm. expect when they visit Hushamadian? From the start of Hushamadian project, we decided to give a, a, a very important value to visual materials. And uh, we are very lucky to, uh, or I'm very lucky to work with uh, someone like Silvina Mgerdician, who is our art director, and uh, she is also a visual artist. And uh, I think that uh, Hushamadian is a good example of how art and uh, historical research can be uh, interrelated and uh, it's it's a it's a successful example of that uh, let's say the marriage between uh, art and uh, and uh, history so we give a very important value to uh, visual uh, images visual uh, objects visual materials and uh, f- for for each article that we publish in our website uh, there is absolutely uh, many, many visual uh, materials uh, who, which, which can give uh, another value uh, to, uh, they, they, can, they can make the article much more attractive. And uh, yeah. for the reader, it can be easily, or it, 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 it is much more easy to, uh, to see an article with uh, beautiful images or some uh, uh, images w- uh, which are very uh, uh, directly related to the, to the theme or the t- to the topic uh, of, the, of the article. And I think one of the bold things that you've, you've done on the website, uh, thinking as a, con- conventional, a conventional historian, 
uh, is exactly that, dissolving the, the boundary between what, what's art and what's history. So you have there, uh, of course, images that have been reproduced. You almost have an archive of images of Ottoman Armenian life, but at the same time, you also use these images in an interesting way to create new products that enhance uh, the reader's experience. Uh, one, of the, one of the best examples is this animation that, that you, you all produced uh, that had a, uh, a sort of mock dialogue between two Armenian villagers. Yes, uh, this is a funny side of, of our job, uh, uh, to be creative, uh, uh, to, to present new things, uh, new materials, uh, which are uh, very good related to the, to the new technologies. It's one of them, it's uh, to produce uh, animated pictures. So we are taking, and we have some f uh, seven or eight, this kind of uh, animations, uh, in each case, you can see an, an old picture or, or an old post, uh, postcard. And uh, we try, or our uh, art director is trying to animate uh, the persons inside. Uh, we add some dialogue or uh, some songs, but each time uh, we try to, to remain authentic to, to, to the period, to the time, to the to, to the dialects, uh, so it is, it's very difficult to, to create uh, this kind of uh, uh, an, an animations where uh, you, you are supposed to, uh, to still be authentic to, the, to that period. So, but it's, 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 a, uh, it's, it's a funny job. Uh, at the end, the result is, uh, I think, positive, and uh, the, our visitors uh, are loving this kind of uh, animations. Yeah, and for, for our listeners who want to see some of these things, we've got some links in the blog of select materials, select articles, animations, pictures that I think are very representative as well, representative as, well as a link to uh, hushamadian.org, the, the website of the Hushamadian project. I, I encourage you all to explore. There's an interface in English, Turkish, and Armenian. So uh, that adds even another element to the experience, definitely. Um, Vahe, uh, we, we had another interview uh, that's appearing on the website uh, this season uh, with Rochelle Davis, who, who did research on memory books of Palestinian villagers, who are also another example of uh, displaced people in many cases, who, who, who sought to write uh, a similar genre of literature to the Hushamadian genre in, in Armenian. And so I think that while your website in many ways deals with the unique experience of Ottoman Armenians in the diaspora that resulted from that community's uh, expulsion, it does speak to uh, issues of uh, memory amongst many other communities in the world, and indeed the entire world of people who have migrated and been displaced, and how their memories can be used by professional historians uh, to engage uh, in a discussion with the broader public about uh, the history of those communities. So, you know, it's a very uh, inspiring project, and uh, I want to thank you for coming to talk to us about it today. Thank you. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. As I mentioned, we have links and bibliography, other materials on our website where you can also leave your comments and questions. Encourage you to check out our Facebook group where there's over 20,000 Ottoman History podcast fans with whom you can engage, as well as Hushamadian's own Facebook group where you can uh, keep abreast of the latest materials. It is an active group now. I'm, I'm, I can safely say that Hushamadian is regularly bringing us new materials on Facebook as well as through their newsletter. That's all for this episode. 
Thanks for listening. Join us next time. And until then, take care.